afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity. I'd like to call in the ancestors, to call in my ancestors and raise ancestors and the ancestors of all who are listening here today, so that all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines may be with us here today to infuse us with inspiration and help us to reach towards the future that is in the dreaming. And I call out to the energy of the earth below to support us in this, the most ancient of ancestors the energy of the earth that gives us home, a place to belong, a place to return to at the end of the day and to be with those that we love. We call out to the energy of the earth to rise up around us and to hold us well in our time here together. We call down the energies of the sky to bring us blessings and generosity and protection, to hold us all in a circle as we come together in this virtual space and hold us in a circle that we may speak well, we may speak honestly, we may hear well, we may hear honestly, and that your questions may be heard and answered, and that that which needs to be shared here today will move as it needs to move through the channels of energy that bind us all. And I call out to the energy of the heart, that most amazing place within each one of us that binds us all and connects us to all the energy of all life as we know it, all around us. We call out to the energy of the heart that has that amazing ability to blend the passions of the body and the clarity of the mind in the heart to shape for us our own soul's purpose. So I call out to all of these energies to be with us today, to hold us well, to help us to speak so that all that transpires today has heart and meaning and that we may all be better able to live our soul's purpose as we go from this hour here together. So today, everyone, we have a really exquisitely lovely guest, and um, the topic today is the topic of the sexual shaman, the path of wisdom, energy, and intent. And to enlighten us um, about this path is um, shaman Kenneth Ray Stubbs. Thank you for being with us today, Ray. Hi, Christina. I'm very happy to be here. Just to let you all know a little bit about Ray, Ray's actually been around on the planet for a while, so he's got kind of a long list of things, and I'll let him tell you in a moment about the things that are most important to him. But what I'd like you all to know is that Ray has been on a shamanic path for almost two decades and is a 13-year sun dancer. There's also an influence of Tibetan Buddhism in the, all of the work that he does, the way that he lives, the way that he thinks and, and loves and experiences his life. And that at the same time, he's a certified sexologist and documentary maker and author of many, many books. One um, that I'll highlight today is The Essential Tantra, A Modern Guide to Sacred Sexuality. The one he's working on, though, is what we'll be talking from a bit today, which is The Sexual Shaman. Dancing with Earth, Wind, Water, and Fire. And he's currently producing a documentary of a similar title, The Path of the Sexual Shaman, Teachings on Energy, Orgasm, and Wisdom. So if you want more in- information about Ray, as we, as we talk here today, his website is sexualshamanseminars.com. Um, so Ray... Before we go on with all the list of credentials and things like that, what I would love for you to share with us is what are the pivotal pieces on your path that, in retrospect, you can see now are the things that brought you to the man that you are today? 
I remember uh, I was in graduate school. The first thing that pops in my mind, I was in graduate school, and there was, I never thought I'd be leaving academia, and suddenly over a weekend, it's actually over the uh, autumnal equinox weekend, and I suddenly made a shift and decided to leave graduate school. And within a few weeks, I'd handed my master's th- uh, thesis. I was on the road, and I went to spend a few days at a Catholic monastery to, because I knew it was something to do about a spiritual quest. And this was in, in 1968, which was um, quite a, a countercultural moment in our history. Mm-hmm. And I um, uh, went to this uh, monastery and spent a few days there, and then one of the brothers uh, b- took me into the nearby city and let me off on the freeway to start my journey of hitchhiking in the, in the hippie days. And he let me out, and I looked down on the beside the uh, highway, and there was a sign that some other hippie had discarded along the way, and the sign said, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talking about a sign, uh, that was just like, it was, it was, uh, it was quite a, it was a moment of uh, uh, in, uh, excitement. Uh, uh, and, uh, and it seemed like that um, I had begun a journey into a spiritual quest, because I'd been in academia, studying sociology and been involved in the civil rights movement and also had worked for Planned Parenthood that summer, which is really sort of the beginning of my focus in the area of human sexuality. And, um, um, but it, it was time to make a change, and the change was happening in the culture. And so I put on a backpack and eventually went out to San Francisco. But uh, as I look back, it was a moment of really, it was time to, to step into my spiritual quest which was very different than what I had grown up as in the Southern Baptist culture in Virginia and North Carolina. It's funny. I was going to guess that. <laughs> Southern Baptist? Yeah. So, um, it, so were you sun dancing at that point? Pardon? Were you sun dancing at that point? Oh, no. That, oh, that was many years later. Uh, I, uh, I started sun dancing about 14 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I just completed my 13th sun dance last summer. Wow. And um, and actually, uh, in terms of a shamanic path, one of the years I decided it was not time to go. It was time to not go that year. Uh, but as the time came closer to the to the Sundance ceremony, I was really starting to miss it. But I'd already committed to not going. And so, in my evening ceremonies and meditations, I would tune into the Sundance ceremony, which was oh three or four hundred miles away. Um, and I will say that that was probably one of the most powerful sun dances I had was to be doing it at a distance, tuning into it energetically, uh, without the drum, without the, the people singing, without the, all the other events going on to support your being in that. Uh, of course, I had had, I don't know, eight, maybe eight sun dances before that that I'd already been through. But uh, doing it at a distance uh, was a major teaching for me. And um, another, going into the question here, some, some of the evolutional factors. Uh, in 1991, I had a neck injury and now quadriplegic in an electric wheelchair. So my sun dances are a little bit different, even though I actually do walk to the tree in a walker with someone holding to my belt. But uh, one of the main things I think about a shamanic path is the ability to use one's intent to direct energy. And given my physiological condition, it would really be uh, 
perhaps lethal for me to go into the sweat lodge. Uh, so I do my sweat lodges from the outside, but if I want to participate, I have to get my energy on the inside. I keep My physical body stays on the outside, but my energy is on the inside. And I would say that's one of the, been one of the most powerful teachings for me is to learn how to do the sweat lodge from outside, tuning into the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, while this has been a, indeed a handicap uh, with the uh, quadruplicate condition, it's also been an opportunity to learn about energy in ways that I probably would have not learned uh, or not uh, learned as, as, as in depth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are a few things along my path. Uh, there have been many others as well. So one of the things that Ray told me, everyone, is that several years ago he began to observe that most Native American med- medicine people in the Southwest, where he lives, which is um, Phoenix, right? Tucson. 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 Um, so the these Native these medicine people there in the Southwest, and then the Tibetan lamas that he has met with, and some Western sexual tantra teachers have similar energetic structures, enabling them to both access other dimensions and to function from them. And so this is sounds to me like your your need to learn to move your energy through intent is part of what's also opened up your ability to see this kind of energetic structure. Yes, exactly. And um, it's more of a knowing mm-hmm. than seeing. I'm, I'm a feeler. I, I feel more than uh, than see. So it's kind of like see in quotes. No, I, no, I understand. I just want to yeah. clarify because that's an important part of the developing of what I call perception catalysts, which are part of what makes a person uh, a shaman or a shamanic practitioner, is the ability to perceive in ways that our usual eye and ear uh, and nose uh, doesn't have access to. And and there are three distinct perception catalysts that I think are very important. One I call the to feel, which is the structure is technically in the navel area, then to see is sort of technically in the third eye area, and then to hear is uh, technically about six or eight inches by the top of the physical head. And um, uh, and that's an important step into a shamanic path. But I, And I think that a lot of people when they talk about shamanism or being a shaman are focusing on those particular parts of what I call shamanic infrastructure to perceive. But for me... What makes a person a shaman is not only the ability to perceive, but the ability to have uh, to have an impact, to manifest, to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And so, the shamanic infrastructure. I mean, when I started into this, uh, I was sort of being guided by my, I'll say, my spirit teachers or any number of names you might want to use. Um, I assumed that what I was going into was something around the area of sexuality, because that's what I've been teaching for years. But what I first observed was that the Native American medicine people, both male and female, Tohono O'odham, uh, the Hopi, Navajo, Comanche, Cherokee, um, 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 a few other cultures, that the people that were being considered medicine people by other Native Americans, they all had similar shamanic, well, similar. Uh, structures that, that I would perceive that they have. Um, and it was quite surprising then, like, as you already mentioned, that I received them in Tibetan lamas or be aware of them. But also, it was really a surprise that I would see them also in a number of the people who consider themselves Dakadakinis or Tantra teachers uh, in sort of 
New Age Western um, sacred sexuality paths. And that, so what I, and I chose the word shamanism because it seemed to be the best language, although we could use words other than shamanic infrastructure. But um, that's been very insightful for me to understand that it's not necessarily the form, it's the essence uh, of, that, people, that people are on. It's the path of their, their essence. And, and that's where I think the real teachings are. It's not in the specific form. Where you, you know, what bird is in the north, what bird is in the south, and that's, you always want to honor anyone's tradition when you're in their ceremony. But just knowing that it's about the energy dance and the intent, and I think that's really the key to understanding uh, a shamanic focus. Beautiful. So just to be clear, so when you're talking about energy structure that you're kind of sensing knowing, you're talking about the energetic structure of the, of the person's essence. Yes, yes. Okay. In other words, uh, we're made up of a physical body. Most people understand that perspective. You know, the, the, uh, the muscular system, the skeletal system, the digestive system, uh, respiratory system, and all that. Uh, but uh, I think that in many traditions... We understand a human being to be much more than just a physical body. We sometimes refer to them as a subtle energy system. And my experience, they're not subtle at all. Well, we're going to come back to this point, Ray, because we're going to a break. But we'll come back and begin this next section with looking a little bit more into this idea of people's essence or energy body and how this relates to this idea of a shamanic infrastructure. So thank you, Ray, and thank you, everybody. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back, everyone. And the lovely lady is correct. We are live today, so please feel free to call in at 866-472-5795 or email us at christina at lastmasscenter.org. And before we get back into this wonderful topic of energy essence and the energy structure and where we're going to go with that, I'd like to take a moment and just announce a couple things that um, Ray Stubbs is doing. Um, in August... Four, four through 14th through 17th, it must be. Is that right, Ray? Um, it's 4th um, f- uh, through the... Uh, it is the 4th through the 17th? Uh, well, if you take... It's going to be a 10-day program followed by four days going up to uh, Canyon de Chez and do ceremony. Okay. All right. So Canyon anyway. de Chez part is optional. Sorry about that, everyone. So I was a little confused there. But it, this is Ray's Path of the Sexual Shaman Training, which is a, a lot of the ideas we're going to be talking about today are are embedded in this training or or an aspect of this training. It's going to be in Tucson. And for more information, why don't you check out Ray's site at sexualshamanseminars.com. So anyway, that's in August. And um, in September, Ray is also the chair for the Association of Sexual Energy Professionals. And we, because I will be speaking as well, we (laughs) are having an annual conference on shamanism and sexuality um, September 10th through 13th in Phoenix, Arizona. And for more information about that particular conference, the website is goasep, goasep.org. So please feel free to explore um, those two sites. Um, but let me also give you Ray's phone number in case you have questions and want to understand what we're talking about today better or any of these offerings um, Ray's sexual shaman training is going very well, so there many, will be many more offerings coming up. So let me also give you Ray's number, which is 520-743-8100, extension 102. 
So these are the ways you can connect with um, with Ray and find out more information about these offerings, his books, his DVDs, and all of this wealth of information that Ray is bringing forward for all of us with inspiration and integrity, um, if you want my humble opinion. <laughs> so, And since you're listening to my show, you do. So, Ray, let's get back to this this idea we're talking about here, or this awareness, I guess, of reality. It's not really an idea of of really being willing to to sense into our world, to to move beyond the apparent structures of the physical world, and to reach in to tap the the energy essence of things. And um, so. As as we're talking about shamanic infrastructure here, I would like everyone to remember we're not talking about a building somewhere. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the energy as it is sensed, the essence energy that is sensed inside practitioners, not just shamanic practitioners, but Buddhist lamas and from Ray's experience, some um, tantric practitioners as well. So. So as you just, as you started to notice that these these the structures of this essence energy were similar or the same, where did where did that take you? What did that inspire in your mind and heart? Well, I um, it, it it I often way the way my mind works is I want to go not I want to go beyond the form and the surface so that I can see the similarities because. My background, initial training, uh, was in sociology, and we looked at different cultures. But forms and cultures can be basically serve the same function, uh, even if the forms are very different from one culture to the next. And for whatever reasons, it just began to unfold in terms of a structure, function, uh, modeling of what is going on, and so that the energetic structures, literally, they're in the they're inside our being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the way for me to understand that there's similarities between the Dalai Lama and a Hopi medicine person, uh, even though we know that they're both sort of, we have our image of them both being spiritual, that there's a lot of similarity uh, in energetically in them. And basically what I'm saying is for us to be able to function in certain ways shamanically, in terms of perceiving or in terms of making things happen, the structures have to be there in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I begin to de- observe that people who call themselves psychics have basically the same type of structure all developed. And it's a, that particular uh, perception catalyst is about three feet above people's heads. And when I started to do just sort of exploring this, just sort of testing my theory, when I would go to trade shows, where I was selling my books and DVDs, I would notice someone would be talking, and I would sense that that was a, uh, that they might be a psychic. I would then tune into it, and, and if I read the energy as, as having that structure, then I would start start up a conversation with them, and just talk to them as if they were a psychic. And I was I was finding that I was predicting accurately because they would respond to me. Oh yes, I used to be a uh, have psychic or give psychic readings on the telephone and so forth. So that I begin to find that if someone has a structure developed and it's functioning, then that person has certain abilities. And so that a lot of our spiritual growth really is coming from the same uh, same source, so to speak, and, and that's different types of structures. So 
it helps me look beyond the form, and especially since my background was in the area of human sexuality, to understand sexuality in a way that is in contrary to the general paradigm where sexuality uh, and spirituality are not only different, they're in opposition. I grew up as a Southern Baptist, as I said earlier, whereby the spirit would take you to heaven and the flesh will take you to hell. And that didn't make sense to me. Um, and, and by looking at this over time, I've basically come to the perspective that if we're operating, if we develop these structures, whether it's an area of human sexuality, we're teaching modern-day sexual tantra, or if we're teaching Buddhist meditation, mindfulness, or if we're calling in the four directions with their drum, um, and before doing a healing ceremony or a group ceremony, the same type of structures can be involved which enable us to dance with the energy. And I, uh, I really think that what I'm doing is focusing on, uh, I would call myself an energy dancer, mm-hmm. not a shaman. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but that doesn't make a lot of sense to people, and it seems like the, the nomenclature that is most suitable in our contemporary world is shamanic because it does indeed seem that to develop our shamanic infrastructure, dancing with the earth, wind, water, fire elements, dancing with the four worlds of plant, animal, crystal, and human are essential parts of this. If you want to develop this structure, what do you do? What ceremony? What's the alchemy? What do we do to facilitate that? And what I begin to find, in addition to doing the ceremony with it, earth, wind, water, fire, and plants, animal, crystals, and humans, is that the type of energy that's necessary to develop this shamanic infrastructure is different than the energy we get from food, plants, animals, excuse me, from uh, from food, from air, from water. Uh, That's for the physical body, but if we want to develop other parts of ourselves, particularly have the ability as uh, having shamanic abilities, what I began to realize was that orgasm is the way to get the most energy that is needed to develop these structures. And I am referring to sexual orgasm. However, what's really important to understand at the same time, that there are other types of orgasms other than sexual orgasms. Now, being trained as a sexologist, I've pretty much adapted in the, from the late 60s, Mashes and Johnson's physiological definition of an orgasm, which pretty much says, you know, if you have a topic for contractions, uh, uh, muscles are contracting at a certain rate, you're having an orgasm. So one of the things that Ray has said along this idea of, ex- is of expanding our sense of sexuality so that we're not limited, again, to Masters and Johnson's definitions of things and, and locked and, and, and don't have our sexuality and our sense of sexual energy locked into um, physical form. So one of the quotes I have from Ray is that I have now come to feel that the term sexual shaman more accurately connotes what is happening when sexuality, in an expanded sense, is engaged in a transformational process. And this is where we're going here, is wanting to help everyone find their way to engage with their energy in such a way that you can tap the deep transformational processes available to you in life. Um, So 
what we're talking about right now is is these ideas that can help to expand our sense of what sexuality means. So you're back, Ray? I'm back. Fabulous. Yeah, it is very interesting. I was talking about the power of orgasm, and electric world disconnected us. (laughs) And I have, I want to say that one of the things about playing in the shamanic world is I talk about using the word allies, or some people would say spiritual helpers, helpers. I found they come along sometimes and um, uh, interact with us in ways that we weren't anticipated. So it really acts into the point I was trying to make, I think. So what we'll do after this next break is we'll come back and we'll get back to that point because you were starting to talk about kinds of orgasms. I'm not sure we're going to tie that into the sexual natures, but let's move into that place when we return from this break. Welcome back. And as we were just discussing before this break, um, Ray was just defining orgasm in the Masters and Johnson sense, but we were about to explore expanding that definition of orgasm. So I'm going to let Ray continue with that. Okay. So is what I, again, sort of getting guidance from spirit teachers or spirit guides, um, I began to, to look at my experience of what orgasm is, and while indeed the pelvic floor contractions are a part of the process, there's a whole lot more, and we can shift our focus and look at this phenomena, a human phenomena that we call sexual orgasm in other ways. And what I began to understand is, is that what happens in the orgasm is we literally create, bring in, generate, manifest energy from the more intrinsic dimensions. It expresses itself into this incarnated dimension that we're thinking in terms of physically. And that is the energy that makes up the building blocks and fuels the functioning of a lot of what we would call our spiritual aspect, the parts of our being, the structures of our being that we would associate with spiritual growth. So let me see if I understand right. So what you're what you're saying is that through the experience of orgasm, it's actually a means by which a person is drawing energy out of um, the non-form realm into their physical being, but then leaving it there available then to serve this trans- energetic transformational process within the person. To, to develop the transformational structures to facilitate transformation and to fuel that transformative process. Exactly. I mean, that is literally part of what is happening. But there are other types of experiences, some people would call mystical experiences, that are also like orgasms. Um, I think of the human being being made up of ten different systems or bodies, physical body being one. And I remember back in the 60s hearing about St. Teresa Avila, uh, a, I think, 16th century Spanish nun who was having these ecstatic experiences and everyone considered her being in direct contact with God. And I remember when someone described that to me, I said, oh, she's having an orgasm. Well, 30 years later, I came to understand this is what I would call a light body orgasm. Mm -hmm. And when I have a light body orgasm, which I sometimes refer to as an energetic orgasm, it does not necessarily feel erotic, sexual, genital. Uh, It can be in my chest and head. It can be my abdomen. It can be my pelvis. And someone indeed can have this in conjunction with the sexual activity, but it's not necessarily the case. 
Uh, and just to give you a quick example, I once asked a Tibetan Lama to consider me as a student. And fortunately, I was not driving when we left, but about 15 minutes down the road in the, on the freeway, I thought maybe I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke or something because this intense energy was building in my chest, and I had this intense explosion. And then I came back to regular consciousness, and I realized, no, I could think clearly. My chest was not hurting, so I had not had a heart attack or a stroke. I had had what I realized was, in other situations, what I would call a light body orgasm. And it was like this llama has mucho mojo. He has lots of energy. And so I associated with being in connection with him that I'd had this intense energetic experience, which I could call orgasm, but someone else would call a mystical experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so by studying these different traditions, I began to think of these different types of experiences as orgasms, and that when I was getting the teachings I was understanding was that they all provide this what I call elemental incarnated energy, the most primordial form of energy in existence in our uh, incarnated dimension. And it's the type of fuel that is necessary to develop our spiritual growth, to develop the structures that enable us to be a shaman, to be a spiritual person, uh, to be a, uh, a you know, very high lama. They, they all have the same structures. They just use them differently. So before we go too much further, Ray, you have a very clear sense that there's a distinction between change and transformation. Yes, uh, and I think this is important because I think a lot of what Western psychotherapy and Western growth procedures have been involved in is primarily what I would call change. And change is valuable and change is important. Uh, however, change, you know, it's, I have it I've in my mind to say someone's an alcoholic and then they become a religious fanatic. They drop the alcohol, but they're still in an addictive process because the religious fanaticism is simply another way to get high. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a transformation, it's simply a change in behavior, for mm-hmm. example. And what really is important to take place is where we literally, in an alchemical sense, change the, the structure or the functioning of a structure. And that's what... Uh, makes a real difference. And to give an example, I'd heard about Sedona for a number of years. And I was well into energy. I was not a novice to energy. And I went to Sedona, this great place in northern Arizona, which everyone talks about, and to go to the vortexes. And I get there and I say, well, you know, it is awfully beautiful, but no big deal. What's the big deal energetically? It was in the next three years that I went much more deeply into a shamanic path and apparently had developed or my perception catalysts, as I call them. And I came back three years later for another Tantra training in that area. We were taking a walk out in the, uh, the land, and I would suddenly walk through this wall of energy. So that's interesting. So I turned around and walked back. And, yep, I walked through it again, turned back, went around. So I kept walking through this wall of energy. So that what happened was Sedona hadn't changed. I changed. Mm-hmm so that my ability to perceive had shifted, expanded, had grown, or had been transformed from a non-active to an active state, so I could perceive the world differently. And so could, our reason that, then for developing these, this shamanic infrastructure, which is just what we're calling it today. <laughs> yes, you can call it any number of names. Yeah, within ourselves, 
is so that we can then access this transformational potential within ourselves versus just change. Again, change being valuable and important, but when we need a transformation, that we have the capacity within ourselves to access that, um, but also to access the energy that's going to fuel that. Yes, because it need, I mean, given this general model of need energy to make things happen, it's the type of energy that can be used to facilitate this. And, I mean, that's why we spend uh, uh, years sitting at the, at the guru's feet. Uh, we're doing medita- on the meditation mat or doing any number of meditations to, to build these structures. And I simply found that it was in shamanic contexts, or what was being called shamanic, that I found more, develop fast, more development faster. And then when I started bringing into sexuality the, the emphasis of orgasm, they're not necessarily sexual orgasm, I felt it was developing even faster. And uh, and I would like to go into a little bit about um, different types of... I'm talking about sexuality so people understand me. I mean, I see there are four models of sexuality we generally have in, in the world. One is the procreative model of sex, so that it's about having children, offspring. That's a valid model. Back in the 50s, the romantic love model of sexuality, companionship, that's related to our sexual nature. But the predominant model that we've been in for a number of 20, 30, 40 years, it seems, is the sexual pleasure model. And that's awesome. I love it. Sexual pleasure is is exquisite. But there is a fourth model that started coming in to our culture when we started focusing on Tantra back in the 60s and the 70s. And that I would call energy sex, so that we're learning to energetically merge with another as a part of what we would call lovemaking or being sexual, which could include genital genital or oral genital or manual genital or any other number of parts of the body. But it's about focusing on the energetic flow between people. And so we do the left eye gazing, we do the breathing in unison to get into contact with that. But I think it goes much deeper than the form and this is really, when I'm talking about sexuality and orgasm, I'm really talking much more from this energy sex perspective rather than the procreative, romantic, or sexual pleasure perspective. That, that's important to understand that sexuality is very broad uh, in my mind. And in the Sundance ceremony, part of what we do, because it's three to four days of going out food and water and Temperatures up to 100, down to 40 at night sometimes, uh, in rain, in, in dust storms. To get you through to the tree to say your prayers, dance after dance after dance, it takes a great deal. Uh, and in this, what the dance chief would, teaches us to do is to send out our energies to connect to the tree, and essentially building a, uh, like a web between our, in our dance lane, between our pole to our left where we put our sun dance shield, and then the tree in the center. And we ride that, once we establish that, uh, that net or the web, uh, the strand of energy, we ride that back and forth as much as possible because it's very trying at times. And so it's, in a sense, I'm going to realize it's like making love with the tree. Although for me, it was never erotic, but it's the same idea. Uh, so that we do that with plants and animals and crystals as well. So there's an, an energetic intimacy that is not necessarily erotic, but certainly functions at that 
deep, intense level of intimacy. Exactly. Absolutely exactly. Well, hold that thought, everybody, as we go into our last break, and we'll be back um, for our last section with Dr. Kenneth Ray Stubbs speaking about the path of the sexual shaman. Welcome back, Ray, I think you're succeeding in expanding people's minds and hearts so much with what you're talking about that they can't type. <laughs> I haven't gotten any questions today. It's kind of exciting. So um, let's, in our last little chunk here of this show, let's move into a piece of the, what you were speaking of as the foundational teachings of your, um, of your work. Well, I believe I said earlier that, um, or I started to say before the, what we were electronically interrupted was that uh, that in a lot of contract teachings in the West, a lot of focus on ecstasy and bliss. I personally think that is not the high end. That is not the objective. That's a byproduct that can happen. What we really want to do is be involved in our transformational process in developing be, to be all that we can be, mm-hmm. to develop ourselves so that we are, uh, can be connected to all that is constantly, uh, to be able to facilitate ceremonial, uh, people going to ceremony to facilitate healing in ourselves and others. And as I think about this, my observation is there are four basic methodologies that people use um, to facilitate change and transformation. One is somatic. Before my neck injury, that was what I was focused on using uh, body approaches, usually hands-on, like massage, chiropractic. Uh, also, herbal, um, that's all part of the somatic approach. We also use what I call symbolic or like talk therapy using symbols. And to some extent in the West, we do use emotive methods, like pounding on pillows uh, and going into deep expressions of ourselves. But there's a lot of wailing uh, uh, and um, but I think that the, the what I associate primarily with most transformation is what I call energetic. And what I observed was as I went for ceremony and also healings from for me from different medicine people in this area in the Southwest is they were u- mainly using an energetic approach, and it was the unseen part of what they were doing. Yes, there may have been a feather, there may have been a drum using crystals, but it was the, the, the part that was not being seen that I think was, was the most effective part. And what I teach in my path of the sexual shaman training is that while we're made up of ten bodies, four of them can have orgasm, but also those four bodies can also be like energetic hands, to use an analogy, and the physical body, which most of us think is a physical body, it literally radiates a light or an energy. What I referred to earlier as the light body, it literally extends out energies of fibers, usually from the navel area, that can go across space and connect with another person. And what I call a spirit body, which is sort of like the shape of that uh, is like an oblong balloon, about three feet above our head, about three feet below, that the outer edges of that balloon, so to speak, can literally expand and encompass another person. And a fourth way is what I call a soul body, through what I call the soul core of an energy current that goes from about three feet below the bottom of our feet 
up to the midline of our body, to about three feet above our head, and it can replicate the energetic patterns of another person or an animal or a plant or a crystal. And even though it doesn't move across space, when we are in, we have the same energetic pattern as something else, we literally become one with it. We become the same as it. And so my observation is, is that for us to do shamanic transformation, one of the main ways we do this is by literally using this radiating, expanding, extending, and resonating. And I think that that is one of the keys to understanding what happens in a lot of transformation. Uh, that it's sort of like you've got a tight muscle in your neck and someone uses their hands or pressure points to release the muscles. Well, they're energetic hands, as I said, that literally connect with another person inside their energy field and the subtle energies and are involved in that transformative process. And I think to understand shamanism, we need to understand how these four transformers uh, function and develop our ability to, to do that. And uh, that has been my experience. Uh, I'm to give you a quick example. The, a medicine man here in Tucson, I met him about eight years before he died, and he would he give, give a lot of public ceremonies. And I noticed there would be an energetic shift. I could feel the energy shifting, literally. And he would be doing uh, four directions, clockwise, counterclockwise, and praying in different directions. And I always assumed it must be that the dance we were doing were moving in one direction, then another direction, then another direction, and then another direction. And to, as he was getting older, he had diabetes and had his left foot amputated. And the last ceremony I was in with him, he literally sat on a chair and did not move his body and facing the four directions. But the same energetic uh, change in the group energies occurred. And so I had to shift my theory from assuming it was the physical movements that we were doing to understanding that it was really he had an ability with energy to, which is directed by his intent, as I would understand it, to shift us as a group into a ceremonial space. And when that shift takes place, uh, it is, for me, a palpable energy that, 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 that occurs and and we go into a much different feeling state um, that makes us feel like connected with each other, uh, connected with the sacred ones, the ancestors, and um, it's part of the real effectiveness that makes shamanic focuses that attracts so many of us to a shamanic tradition. Well, Ray, it, it's absolutely clear to me as a practitioner why I might want to go to your training because it's a it's a such a beautiful expansion and deepening and understanding of the energies that we work with. My question for you, though, as we're coming to the end of our time here today is, can you, can you wrap up for us with the value for a person who's simply interested in transformation, why they might want to come to your training? Well, I, I use the name Path of the Sexual Shaman for a couple reasons, one of which is uh, I find it easier to teach people who are at home with their sexuality because if you're tuned in and you feel someone's energy is merging with yours, one may say, whoa, this is a trespassus. This is a, what's going on here when literally this is what is taking place that facilitates the transformation. So I find it easier if people are not uptight about sexuality. In the, all the uh, ceremonies we do, 
we are focusing on energetic just for the training process. We don't even touch. There's no nudity. There's no explicit sex. There is a discussion about orgasm because I think we have to understand energy. And if you don't talk about orgasm, I don't think you're going to have a full understanding of energy. Uh, and energy is essential to develop. It's, um, it, it's really about uh, energy, wisdom, and intent is how I sum it up. And uh, it, one does not need to be a sexual practitioner, and we don't do anything sexual. Uh, but when you open up energies, uh, a lot of things begin to, to flow. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of professional trainings try to deny the existence of sexuality. And so when, when I'm afraid, unfortunately, that when practitioners are trained and there is no acknowledgement of sexuality, it gets suppressed. And then when it does come out, it comes out in very uh, uh, um, unconscious uh, ways. And I think it's more important that we actually confront and look at the sexual energy so it's not a big deal. But it's not about doing sex with their client. It's about dancing with the energy. Thank you, Ray. And so, everybody, energy, wisdom, and intent. To gain greater access to these three limitless qualities within yourself, Ray offers you the path of the sexual shaman, and his trainings are happening in August. Thank you all for being with us here today. Ray, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your heart with us here today. Um, for people that want more information about Ray, um, uh, his website is sexualshamanseminars.com and mine, for more information about me and our work, is lastmasscenter.org. And remember, if you are new to the show and you want a weekly reminder about the show, the guests, and the topics, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org and we'd be happy to put you on the list to send it to you. So again, Ray, thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to the ancestors the earth, the sky, and the heart that connects us all. When we all go forward with um, greater capacity to be the people that we have come here to be. Thank you all for today. Bye-bye. <laughs>